Hello, and welcome to the History and Philosophy Department podcast. This is Dr. Franklin Rausch, the host for today's channel. Um, and the uh, join us today is Miss Ashley Hampton, a former uh, Lander University student who has done some really interesting work. Hello, Ashley. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. It's it's wonderful to get to talk to you again. It's, I think it's been a couple of years, right? Yes, it really, yes, it has about probably close to three years now, so. Yeah, and you've done a lot of interesting things uh, since then, and, and one of them was to do some work on this thing called the Green Book. Yes, yes, I so, did it um, mm -hmm. through the South Carolina African American Heritage Committee and also the We Goja Foundation project. Yeah, so can you tell us um, a little bit about what the Green Book is? Okay, yes. So the Green Book, which is the paraphrase for the Negro Motorist Green Book, it was a guidebook that African-American travelers used to use uh, while traveling, and it provided them a list of hotels and boarding houses, restaurants, service stations, and other establishments throughout the country um, that served African-American patrons. Um, the creator of this was Victor Hugo Green. Um, he was a New York City postman in Harlem, and he had, you know, experience with racism during the Jim Crow times and wanted to find a way to make it easier for his African-American counterparts to be able to travel across the country safely. And so he published his first volume um, in 1936. And the guidebook ran until 1966. So he posted annually from all those through all those years, and he posted about at least an you know, estimate 15,000 copies each year. So, well, and and I think didn't Dr. Martin Luther King in his "I Have a Dream" speech he referenced these these difficulties that African American uh, motorists experienced. Yes, um, and then. Um, I was going to kind of like throw and they're like, yes, it definitely is because there's a lot of sundown um, towns and uh, particularly in the region that we live in. And, you know, there was a time where literally when the sun would go down in those towns, a lot of African Americans would know to um, leave because if not, that was a chance of their life or death. And um, it's very, that's why it was very, um, it was very revolutionary. I don't like to always throw out that word, but it really was revolutionary since when Victor Hugo worked with some of his other postmates um, to create these books um, because they basically were lifesavers, literally, in a, um, you know, small-binded, uh, you know, hole-punched little notebook. And it gave people a sense of refuge uh, no matter where they were traveling. And it took a network. It was almost like a... a railroad system of connecting, you know, talking to other postmen and um, businessmen and women around the area, because without it, you wouldn't have, you know, been able to done such a well job with knowing what was where. So. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, and I think, if I remember right, that was a, at the Postal Service, because it was federal, that gave African Americans more job opportunities. Um, yeah, well, we didn't really, uh, discussed that during the project, but I don't doubt that it did give them more job opportunities. Uh, from the project itself, when, when we were studying and stuff, I know that it definitely brought a lot more business and clientele 
Um, for example, uh, definitely in Shiraz, um, like at the College Inn and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, that brought clientele to them when um, people would go through and see, because now people knew what Shiraz was. It basically kind of put it on the map because it gave uh, spotlight to overlook cities as well as, um, you know, brought more tourist attraction. There was an actual there was a boarding house in Greenville, South Carolina, that actually hosted uh, famous jazz and singers, um, musicians from um, Billy, um, not Billy Holiday, but uh, another Billy Jean Smith, like a famous blues singer, and um, Duke Ellington actually stayed there. Um, there's letters posted about it where, you know, um, her descendants talk about it, and there's journal entries and articles about, you know, these famous jazz musicians staying there. So it's very fascinating, you know, it basically put a lot of places on the map. Oh, excellent. And so just to, to help our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with it. So if you're an, an African American motorist and you purchase the green book, what are you going to be using it for? So you're going to be using it as a travel guide. So like the way it's set up is literally it is a list and it's almost kind of like a newspaper uh, bag, but like um, or if you want to kind of get a little bit more technical, um, I would say a what you usually get at tourist um, centers when you go to a new place, and um, they basically outline all the like you know popular locations and places in that area. It was a, a predecessor to that, but mostly focused on black locally owned, and so they list them in alphabetical order. Um, by state and by name and so like for south carolina you know they would start with you know aiken county or so forth and they would go on down until the last you know letter in the alphabet and they would just name like you know places that had chosen because you know they had to have like their consent first too if they didn't really if they were not really interested they didn't list them but it was people who had given their consent of like yes i want you to let people know that this is a um, place of safe haven and a place of refuge for them to go to or to them to come visit um, when they're coming through town. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it makes sense. So as African-Americans, if they're traveling, especially to an area they're not familiar with, they don't know where they can go um, to get food safely. They don't know what hotel they can stay at safely. And so this guide's going to help them to know that. And of course, it makes sense. It's a lot of the businesses it's going to be directing them to are going to be black owned and a managed businesses. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, the green book itself is, is just so fascinating, right? Cause like you said, you have these, these post office workers uh, who form this kind of national network to give this information to people so that they, they can be safe. So what, what role then did you, did you play with this project and, and what's this project focusing on? So the historical work that I did was focusing, so in a lot of ways this was a um, archival research um, position as well as a curatorial um, position that falls into public history. And so a lot of my job was assisting with archival research, data collection, and data entry um, from the survey project. Um, a lot of the Green Book sites are either um, no longer exist or have been demolished, but the street names and um, 
the reminiscence and the um, clues, the context clues are still left there for some most places, but some places the building still stands. And so it was our job to basically track those down to see what um, condition they were in, whether they were demolished or whether they were still standing and then so forth. And if they were still standing and um, there's a thing called that you will learn if you decide to go into the historic preservation field called the National Register, where a historical home or building has to meet a certain type of guidelines in order to be considered um, basically a national treasure. And so basically it was our job to even also report to if this house had potential or this building had potential to be on the National Register. It could and it can be protected basically through the National Register from being demolished in the future because it's recognized as a historical site. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that, that's so, really cool. You're, oh, go on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Go ahead and continue your thought, please. Oh, so, yeah. Um, so that was basically a lot of um, what the job entails. Um, so definitely I was dealing with collecting on the archival side. Um, I was dealing with a lot of, well, I guess this falls also more into curatorial. I was collecting a lot of metadata, which you'll learn a lot in, uh, throughout your course, and basically collecting that material to create, to be created as metadata, because it doesn't come metadata until you put it into an actual, like, you know, um, online archival, you know, database. But I was collecting that information so it could be um, placed on their um, database online. And so, we were filling them out with the survey cards, which, you know, requires Excel experience um, and stuff, which, I mean, it's not like expensive Excel, like if you're an accountant or something, but you have to have the basic gist of knowing how to work through Microsoft Office and Excel. And um, there was just a lot of uh, primary and secondary source research um, that had to be done prior on the sites because you know you had to know what you were looking at. You had to know the history behind what you were going to go see. So finding out who was the owner um, before, um, what was their occupation, what they did. Um, and then also too we went on like, you know, the county uh, websites because a lot of them have um, the record list of a lot of homes even from back in the early 1900s. And you can look them up, even if their address is changed, based off their um, proxies of their location. And so we were able to still find them, even though the street addresses have changed drastically and the roads have changed for these places. And this um, is able to move forward with them. So yeah, and then also the last thing was oral histories. I did have to conduct an oral history. Well, it wasn't mandatory or required, but I thought that brought a lot more of the person into the project. It brought a lot more um, life to it. And so I did interview um, one person in Columbia, um, in particular named Reggie Scott. He was a, um, he is a jazz musician now. Um, real character he is, but I love, I love talking to him. He was so full of life, twice my age, like twice my age, but like younger than me in spirit, honestly, truly. He just had a great 
overall energy to him. And um, his mother, Harriet Cornwell, actually is on the National Register because she had a boarding house um, that he grew up in. And um, basically, it was on the Green Book um, Motorist for several years before they stopped publishing. So um, it's recognized for its work and its contributions to, you know, the African-American community today. So he has the National Register, you know, plate right there in his um, front lawn of his house, and it will remain there. And even when he passes on, because he's older now, I mean, it's still going to be standing, which is um, really nice to think about. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, I, and just to make sure I understood, so you said that he, you were able to help get that uh, property on the National Register? No. So it was already oh, oh. on the National Oh, it was already. Um, so, okay, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I should have clarified that. Um, it was already on the National Register because I was actually originally um, doing the house across the street, which from interviewing him, I found out that his aunt had stayed there for a period of time and she was doing the same thing as his mother, which is, you know, boarding houses were homes, uh, like basically not inns or hotels, but if someone wanted to stay in somebody's, like, home who was traveling um, and wanted kind of like a home-like feel, it's kind of like what we call Airbnbs now. You're just staying in right. somebody's home. Then you have a room that you rent out and you stay there, and it's just a more homey way of, you know, staying in a hotel. And so that's what basically boarding houses were, and they both ran the one across the street from each other. But I was I was actually looking at the aunts because um, there's just some miscommunication that there was just some information that fell through the cracks over time to where hers didn't get recognized, but her sisters did. So while his little sister who, you know, has passed on, but I interviewed her son, stays across the street. His aunt's house across the street did never got on the National Register. So that's still a work in progress, but I was able to gather and information about it and so forth. So, yeah. Oh, excellent. So, so it sounds like you just did so many things, right? You're doing work on the databases. You're going out to look at sites. You're interviewing people and discovering new information. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. wow. uh, it's not, no. yeah, not mm -hmm. as um, complex or crazy. I don't want to kiss, intimidate anyone and scare anybody off in the field. It's not as, um, it is multifaceted, but I don't want to make it seem like it's really difficult or too um, multitasking than what it is. Um, it's mm -hmm. just really more hands-on. Um, and I think that's kind of what they say when public history is a very um, active field because um, there, it's not necessarily active or where like the history is in real time, um, but because I think people get confused with that, it's because the people are in real time who you're interviewing and gathering these histories from. So you're doing like real time work or where you're actually having to be out here in the field like applied history or where you're having to apply yourself and go out and uh, look for the sources and um, whether it's traveling to a museum or a library, a national library, or somebody's house. And um, then you're actually having to go back and condense that and make that uh, coherent for the public use and so forth. So, yeah. 
Oh, excellent. And what was, um, can you remind us again, what was the name of the this project? It was the Green Book Survey Project was the official title, yes. And the, the sponsor was the, was it the South Carolina Archives? So it was the South Carolina African American Heritage um, Committee. Like they're a uh, archive, there are archives um, founded in Columbia, South Carolina. So yes, there's an archive um, in Columbia that's dedicated to African American history and heritage. So it was that one. And then it was also um, the We Goja Foundation, which is also another cultural foundation. I believe they are more in York, South Carolina, and they okay. help they help the commission basically um, promote you know, and preserve African-American, you know, historical sites and history. Oh, very good. And can you tell us a little bit, how did you come to, to have this opportunity? Well, you, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was only a very small part. Yes, but you're still a part. And, um, and you have to allow me to be braggadocious for a minute. But yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Dr. Roush was the one who he's always been such a great mentor and such a great friend and always has had his has always had my best interest in heart. And so yeah, when basically I graduated, he knew what my interests were and he knew I was interested in African American studies and histories. When he came across it, he was just like, Emily, take this, like go apply, like it's right there, you know, and stuff. And so I went for it and I didn't think because I didn't have any like prior enough experience in historic preservation and so forth that I was going to get it. But um, they, I remember getting an email from Ostrov Shikley and she was like, I'm very impressed with your resume and um, we would like to move forward with you. And so I was on there with um, two other, they were actually grad students. Uh, one young lady was named was Carly Todd. She is getting her PhD right now at, I believe, USC. Wow. Um, so yes, go for her. But yeah, she's still in private. It's funny. She actually um, butt dialed me the other day, and I was like, "Carly, did you mean to call me?" She's like, "No." And so we called her. I was like, "You still getting your PhD?" She was like, "Yeah, girl, but I'm almost there." And I was like, "Kudos to you, girl." But yeah, she's getting her PhD. And then there was another um, young man named um, Darnell Holland. He was also in grad school too. Uh, can't remember where he was actually studying. I think I'm on the online. But yeah, so it was a little also too intimidating to be with like, you know, students that were already grad, but I was about to become a grad student anyway. So, uh, but no, working alongside them was a lot of fun. And so, yeah, it was really a, it was really a combination of Dr. Rausch and then also just kind of like my own research of kind of just like, you know, looking into it and looking into different types of like public history jobs. Well, and thank you for your, your kind words. And it was, of course, my pleasure to recommend you. It's always been great having you in classes. I knew you'd do great at it. Um, just to give a, a little bit of extra information, of course, was that I think Dr. Witherspoon introduced me to Dr. Raymond Jackson. And then Dr. Jackson mm -hmm. told me about the opportunity. And I'm like, oh, Ashley, this is, this is perfect for her. Yes, and I definitely will shout out um, Ramon Jackson, um, he's always been such a great help too. He was actually uh, one of the, he was a director with the South Carolina African American Heritage Commission. 
Ms. Cycle was with the Sweet Goja Foundation. He was actually through the Heritage Commission. And I think he had just wrapped up his PhD before he had went and started working for them. But um, he was basically kind of like our supervisor and guide throughout the project. He um, even like assisted us on tours. Like when we went and took a whole like group trip to Shiraz together, uh, we all went together as a group and he went with us and he was just right there with us. Like, you know, while we had this um, young lady, um, she was a local um, resident and she's pretty much lived there her whole life but she had volunteered to basically give us a tour around the Green Book sites that she knew that were there and that were no longer there and um, showing us where they were and giving us a little brief history about them. So uh, we spent the day there and it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, he's always been such a great help and it's good to network. I think that's the main purpose of why I'm bringing all of this and rambling on is that it's really good to network while you are there Sometimes you're kind of more concerned with trying to just get the job done, but I think it's more important for you to um, network because believe it or not, some I've heard some people say that their professors have told them, like, you know, um, it doesn't matter what you study. Like, it matters the people who you know. It matters who you know, not what you know and stuff. And that does carry out like a little bit of weight um, in terms right. of, like, getting jobs in the future, like, it does depend on who you know, because you never know if you're going to meet that person. Because I did use Ramon just recently for like a reference for something. And, you know, the fact that I know I can use him as a reference because I have a good relationship with him or rapport with him um, is really nice. So, yeah. Oh, excellent. Well, and I'll, we're, we're running a little low on time, so I'll just ask my, my last question. So what was your, your favorite or most in, enjoyable memory from your time working on this, this project? Oh, yes. So um, the whole trip to Shiraz was just, um, it was just great. And um, to keep it short and brief, I did send you photos. So if you do want to kind of show photos with this, the, um, show them what I'm talking about, that would be great. But um, the College in Wilmington was, was the one that actually I really liked the most personally because um, the, the, rest, the daughter was the one who was actually showing us and who I sent you in the pictures. But um, that in was particularly like, so there's a cool fact about it. So basically that was like a teenage couple spot, like back in the <laughs> early days. A lot of like couples would take their like, um, their girlfriends on their first date there. And it was a very popular, like everybody knew, like if you wanted to really, like if you was really into a girl, you would take them there to that spot as their first date, as she described it. And then also too, sometimes he would like throw like little dance competitions there. And then um, he had, it was down below his house and because they used to have like the upper part of the building. So like, you know, then they had a little boarding house where they would let people stay sometimes. And then also it was a political meeting place um, once a week, either like on the early, you know, weekday at night, they would meet there. And like, you know, you hear back from um, the civil rights movement, that's where they would meet and talk about, you know, big political wow. issues and stuff. So that place just has so much like just, culture just as it seems and just so many historical just like moments it was just really wonderful to just see it still there and the fact that it was still there with her and 
her picture. She, I actually took a picture next to her picture or whatever because she used to compete in beauty pageants when she was a little girl. So that picture on the calendar where it says collagen, like tourist home and stuff, that's actually a picture of her when she was a little girl. So I think that was my favorite spot that we went to. And then Valerie Inn was just a, a motorist in hotel that we um, visited too that was still standing. And that was like an inn for African-Americans. So, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, that I, I love that kind of idea of a historic spot, which was known for, for where lovers would meet and civil rights leaders would meet. <laughs> right. like, I mean, that, that, it's, just a, it's such a fun juxtaposition. Yes. Well, good. Definitely. Well, thank you again, Ashley, for giving. I know you're, you're, you're at work and you, you're giving us so much of your time, so I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's no problem. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. All right. Thanks. You have a great day. All right. You too.